God loves to co-create with his children and he loves to inspire us with visions of, of things in heaven. And sometimes he uses things on earth. He can speak to us in so many different ways. And he gives us such a clear picture that sometimes we can actually draw it. Imagine being able to see something. And if you actually go back into the Bible, because I kind of talked to, I was asking the Lord about this and I said, Lord, where is it in the Bible where you actually were able to give somebody a vision that they were able to create? And he showed me the Ark of the Covenant. And he showed me that he showed them exactly what he wanted them to be to do, what the cherubim looked like, what the ark was going to look like. I mean, every last detail. And he does that today. Well, that is definitely the case with my guest, Christine Counselor, as she likes to go as Chrissy. Chrissy has been doing prophetic art, but what's so cool and so inspiring about her art is that there's always a message behind it. So thank you so much, Chrissy. Thank you for, so much for coming on Touch by Prayer. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Well, you know, I it was very funny because the way that God works with me um, is he'll start to kind of highlight somebody on, on Facebook because that's where we kind of connected. And I don't even right. know how we became friends, but I'm sure there was something that I liked or, or somebody who's mutual friends with us. And it just kind of, boom. And the Lord just kind of showed me. And it, and it was actually, I think, around... I think it was Easter that I I saw this beautiful prophetic picture that you drew that was a mistake. Right. (laughs) And and the story behind it is just, it's fascinating. So would you mind kind of sharing some of that? Because I kind of feel like that's where we're going to kind of start from and we're going to kind of move forward. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Yeah, um, when I first started painting, I did portraits and it wasn't... um, Let's see, I I was just saved, and I started painting, and people saw my work, and they started to hire me. I never took classes or anything, Um, and after that happened, I had in my heart to to, uh, paint um, what I called prophetic portraits for people. I would see visions when I prayed for people. I would see almost like movies that would go before my my, um, mind's eye, and I would think, I wish I could draw this for people. So... um, so I approached someone who was doing a conference. They said, if you're artistic and you want to step forward, come forward. So I did, and I began to um, – I volunteered to do those. I did like 70 one weekend, and it was just incredible. These little childlike sketches God would use to bring healing, deliverance. Um, they would be open doors to callings. Um, I would have to leave the meeting and go and weep because I was just completely blown away by God's power moving through something so childlike. And um, and a lot of times the things he was showing me, I didn't even know what they meant. But when I showed the people, they would tell me what it meant, and it would wreck me. So that was sort of how I started doing uh, prophetic art. Not long after that is when this other piece came um, into play. Um, I had a spiritual dad at the time, and he would always try to get me to go up front and paint in front of everyone, but I like to just stay in the back and do these little prophetic portraits for people. Um, I liked the hidden place, <laughs> and um, and so one time he, he said, go up, go up, and he was so sweet to encourage me, but I just don't think I was ready, but I went up front, I set up a, a canvas, um, I covered the canvas with gold, and then I, I began to write the names of God in purple, and um, I wrote, like, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and then I wrote the word glory, but I forgot the R. Um, And when I realized that all this fear and anxiety came over me, all this shame, um, because I was in front of the whole church, and I just began to make this big, ugly, purpley gold swirl, um, because I was just trying to cover up my mistake. And um, it, it just paralyzed me, because I realized, you know, I didn't know what to do from that point on. I was just so embarrassed. So I put the painting aside, and people were coming up, and they were saying, what are you going to make with that? And I just didn't even want to talk about it. I just wanted to pretend like it never happened. So um, I brought that canvas home with me, and I would look at it every now and then and feel just the shame and the embarrassment of it. And um, it wasn't wasn't too much longer after that that God did start. I did get the courage to go out and paint prophetically, you know, live in front of people. And that was after um, an experience I had with the Lord. Um, and I'll explain that, and I'll go back to the painting, if that's okay. Absolutely. But, um, what happened was uh, people began to say to me, Chrissy, uh, Jesus wants to paint with you. I probably had, I don't know, 20 people say it to me, and I'm kind of slow. God will have a lot of people tell me things, 
over and over <laughs> so that I'll figure out, oh, it's really him, you know. And um, so I just set up an easel in my room where I paint now, and I just began, I had bought some cheap paints, and uh, I had laid down all my painting of portraits and everything because I had a bad experience with a commission, and it just kind of stole my joy for it. And I just didn't really want to paint anymore, you know. But people were saying, Jesus wants to paint with you. And I was okay doing the little prophetic portraits because those were easy, you know, like childlike drawings. And um, so anyway, I set up my canvas. I just began to worship uh, because I was just being obedient like a child, you know, just saying, okay, Jesus wants to paint with me. Let me just get before him and see what this means. And the next thing I knew, Jesus was standing there. I could see him with my eyes open. Um, And he said to me, I want you to take the purple and the blue. I want you to cover your hands with it. And I want you to cover the whole canvas. And I just, I said, yes, and I did it. And then when I did that, I looked at him and he said, now I want you to put a mountain in the left corner. So I did what he said. Um, You know, I was like, here? He said, higher, higher. And then he said, yes, there. So this went on for four hours. Um, He told me what to do. I responded. We had conversation. I wept. I laughed. I thought if somebody is watching me out the window, they would think I'd lost my mind. Uh, But it was such a beautiful, intimate time with him. And um, he answered a lot of questions for me about how to do prophetic art. Um, Not only that, but I think when I got done, the painting was my prophetic portrait from the Lord. And it's called Poured Out. The painting is called Poured Out. But at the end of that painting, he looked at me and he said, I want you to start buying paint by the gallons you're going to pour much at my feet. And that was sort of my commissioning, I think, because after that, this courage came on me and this unction to paint that had not been there before to where I knew nobody could stand in my way because the Lord said. Wow. Yeah, it was really beautiful. and But it still took me a year um, to to finally step out and do it. Um, and I did it with that pastor who had originally encouraged me to get up. <clears throat> so... Um, so after that experience, I began to paint at churches, and there was a church where I'd been invited. They were going to be uh, feeding um, the homeless, helping unwed moms, things like that, spending the whole day, and they'd asked me to come paint as a special guest, and I sought the Lord, and there was a painting that I had done, spontaneous. There's like, there's prophetic where you get before the Lord and you get a word, but you're not allowed to release it until later, and a lot of my paintings are like that when I do them corporately. But then there's a spontaneous prophetic painting, and that's like when I do the prophetic portraits. That's when I just sit before them, I see, and do it right then. So I had done this spontaneous painting live at a church, and the Lord brought that back to my memory because I wanted to repaint it. I'd done it originally in pastel, real quick sketch, kind of like the prophetic portrait, something real simple looking. So um, I got really excited when God said, this is what I want you to paint. I went to the store. I bought all this red paint. I got thick red paint, glittery red paint just all the red paint I could find, and I was so drawn to it by the Spirit. It was just, it was almost like, this is going to sound weird, but I just wanted to eat it almost, because I was just like so in me to have this red paint, and it had to be the right kind of red paint. Um, I needed it for this painting, because in the painting, uh, the vision that God gave me was um, hands that were kind of pointed down, and like you almost like you were going to hand somebody a a handful of water, but both the hands were together. And uh, and I saw that spontaneously when I was doing the spontaneous painting. And I was, you know, saying to the Lord, I don't want to paint hands. I was (laughs) having a bad morning, and I was like, but it wouldn't go away. I knew it was him. The um, the wounds opened. When they opened, I saw the blood begin to pour from his wounds down the fingers, down the hands, and I just wept. And the Lord said, for you. So I drew that. And uh, I waited. The blood was coming down beyond the fingers, but I didn't know where the blood was going, but that's all the Lord gave me. So I put that painting aside, and I waited. The next part of the painting was two hands that were fisted, pointing up. The fists were pointing up. The arms were down. And I saw they were shackled with a big black uh, chain. And I began to weep. I feel my I'm a seer, so I feel everything. And I began to weep, and I said, Lord, I don't want to paint these hands shackled. Um, and all of a sudden the chain began to explode in slow motion and I, and I felt it and, um, the spirit of God hit me and I said, yes, Lord, how is it exploding? And then he showed me the first painting went on top of the second painting. 
It was his hands, the blood from his hands that set our hands free. And he said to me, Liberty. So this painting is called For You, Liberty. And um, he had me research the word liberty in the word. And a lot of people think it means freedom to dance and freedom in the Holy Ghost. And it is that. But it also means freedom to serve. And that was what was so beautiful about this painting was hands represent serving in the body. And he was saying to me, uh, not just to me, but to the congregation, you know, that he was giving me, for me, liberty, freedom to paint for him, freedom to serve. So um, so I was going to repaint this painting, and I was going to be painting it live, and I wanted the blood to drip just right. I wanted it to be the right consistency, the right type of red paint. So when I got home with the paint, I'm thinking, how am I going to practice this? And I remembered that canvas that I had made the mistakes on, and I was like, that'll be perfect. So I went and got it out of my closet, and I put all these drips. I mixed up different paints. Some was glitter, some was thin, some was thick. But I covered the whole canvas in it because, um, <laughs> you know, I was just practicing the, 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 you know, the speed of the drip, what it would look like. So the next morning I got up and that canvas was just covered in drops of blood and, um, and I found exactly what I wanted. And, um, and when I got, when the canvas was all dry, I, I thought to myself, I should probably just throw this away. It's just been just demolished now, you know, but I had this thought, I'll just keep it. You know, I never know when I'll need something to work on again. So I put it back in the closet. And then uh, not long, I guess maybe a couple months ago, a month later, I was cleaning out my um, studio and I saw that canvas. And you know, it's funny when I saw the canvas, all that feelings of shame of the purpley gold swirl and then the thoughts of how it was worthless because it had just been used, you know, for for something and it would look like it wouldn't be good for anything. It came back to me, but the Lord said, I want you to pull that canvas out and look at it. And um, I said, okay, Lord, you know, I kind of giggled like, okay, like I don't understand. And uh, he had me put it in my den, like, you know, in a central area. So I kept looking at it and looking at it. And the next thing I knew, I started seeing Jesus on the canvas and, um, I I said, you know, to the Lord, I want to paint you on there. I just see you on there on the cross. And I went online and I looked for a picture that would, you know, touched my heart. And I came across one from the Passion of the Christ. And it just so moved me because um, he in the picture, it looked like he was laughing and crying at the same time. And I think so much that's what suffering is like. You know, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And... I don't know, it just really spoke to me. And um, and I know for me that's something I do when the Lord really touches me. I laugh and cry at the same time because I just get so overwhelmed by His goodness. You know, it's it breaks me. So, um, But I had the thought, it's from the Passion. I don't know if I can paint it. So I put the thought aside. Well, the next morning on Facebook, somebody tagged me in the very same photo. And I said, okay, Lord, I think this is you. So I set up my easel. I began to worship Him. I just, uh, you know, was just enjoying his presence, loving on him. You know, it was Easter. It was my worship for him. And as I'm painting it, I begin to weep, and I begin to say out loud, I love this canvas. I love this painting. I love you, Lord. And I'm weeping and just running my hands all over the canvas. And, um, And all of a sudden, the Lord just spoke to me, and he said, Chrissy, don't you see? He said, this canvas is you. He said, you made so many mistakes, and you were embarrassed. You just wanted to hide. He said, and then people used you, and you you just felt like you'd never be good for anything. But look what I've done. I've covered you with me, and now when people look at you, all they see is me. That I Okay, so I was actually, as you were telling the whole story, and, and it's such a beautiful, beautiful story. I was actually looking at this um, picture. If you go to um, Chrissy's um, website, which is Christine Council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L, you can actually find it. And what's so beautiful, the actual picture is called Forgiven and Redeemed. But I was looking at it, and there's something that the Lord kind of, it's like a, not a joke, but it's like a special little thing. And so I'm looking, (laughs) I'm looking at the picture of Jesus on the cross. And what, one of the things that I saw that I never noticed before is that there's a heart. There's actually, there's a little heart right by his crown. 
Wow. And it pulled out to me. It just like called out to me because I was just looking at it like, oh, because it's just such a, it's such a beautiful portrait and, and the laughing and the crying is so, it, it, it's, it's so powerful because he did, he went with joy, even though it was difficult, even though it was hard. But what was so funny is that like in the midst of it, it's like, you know, I was looking at it and then all of a sudden that heart just like popped out. And I don't know if you actually meant to put a heart in, which I'm thinking no. not so much, but I, I saw it. Lord one wow. said to me, he said, Lisa, what you focus on, you'll find. Mm, that's good. And so, you know, there are so many times that like we can see prophetic art, but we're, we're looking at it with different types of eyes. What are you looking for in that art? What are you looking for in that piece? And the, 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 the thing that you said, Chrissy, about that, you felt shame. How awesome is it that this piece, that, that it was redeemed, that your shame was redeemed, just like our sins, just like our shame is redeemed at Calvary. Like, it's just such a beautiful portrait that you felt that like it was nothing, it was worthless, that, you were a mis- that it was a mistake. Like, all those feelings that we can feel as humans, as, you know, that we've blew it, we've made a mistake, that God can't use it, that it should just be discarded. But, you know, God says, no, 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 you're not seeing what I see. Pick right. it back up. Let right. me show you that, that these, these little lines, these little imperfections that are bothering you, I see beauty in it and we can make something beautiful together. And that's what I love about what you do because you co-create and that's what we're called to do as sons and daughters. We are called to be co-creators. When we write, we can write with, with the Lord. When we, when we draw, we can draw with him. When we speak, we can speak with him. Like everything that we do, everything, you know, even in marriage, even in, in parenting, everything that we do, we can do it in cooperation with the Lord if we choose to. Right. <laughs> it's always about choices. I agree with that. I, one of the things I say when I, sh- when I go to churches to share my paintings, I'll bring, you know, um, five, 20, how many ever paintings they want me to set up, I'll set up at the church. And I'll begin to share about each one, the prophetic journey, the scriptures that go with it, what God was doing. Um, and I call them my children, mm-hmm. because I really feel like it's me and the Lord. It's something we made together. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, everyone has that capacity to create with God, but you have to have that time of intimacy with Him. Oh, yeah. You have to be able to be intimate with Him. You have to go into His bedchambers. You have to spend that time with Him and let Him speak to you. Um, you know, when I get ready to paint at a conference, I get before him, and he, he begins to lead me. Sometimes it's a several-month journey. I just did a painting for Mother's Day, and it was uh, a prophetic portrait that I did on that very first time that I stepped out by faith and did those prophetic portraits. But it was always in my heart to paint it, but I didn't know when I would repaint it. And then God just completely set it up. It was amazing. And um, I wanted to share, too, a little bit about my history like what I was saved from, if that's okay. Absolutely. So you can understand, like, why that canvas was me. Um, I was 25, and I got pregnant. It was my fourth time being pregnant. I'd had um, three abortions. I was living with a man who was so abusive. Um, He was horrible to me. Um, But I was so desperate to be loved that I stayed and begged him to love me. Um, And... I was, you know, I did drugs, I drank, I did it all. Um, I really, really was just looking for that love. And I, I remember um, when I found myself pregnant, I had always written, like in my diary, since I was a little girl, Dear Diary. But I cried out to God. I wasn't in a church. I was just by myself. And I said to God, I want to have this baby. I had heard this saying. I used to love quotes, you know, um, that children are a gift from God. I had no idea it was in the Bible, but I began to um, to meditate on that. And I said, you know, if this child is a gift, why would I why would I abort it, and why would I give it away? I have, my brother and his wife had offered for me to come live with them and give the baby up for adoption, and them saying that to me gave me the hope to, to just have this baby and to do what was right. So I asked God, I said, you know, if you're God, you should be able to show yourself to me, and you should be able to save me. I don't understand who Jesus is. I don't know what he did for me. I don't understand it, but, um, but I know I need saving. 
and will you please save me? And I began to write in my journal, Dear God. And I had, for years, this very personal, intimate relationship with God, apart from the church, even apart from the Bible. But he would, he would, I would talk to him, and then he would confirm himself to me. Like I'd say, Dear God, I wish someone would ask me to pray with them. And then the next day at work, somebody would say, can I pray with you? And I'd, I'd say, why did you say that? <laughs> you know? and, and I think that's what God wants from all of us. It's just, he wants to be our daddy. He wants, us, he wants intimacy with us. That's why he created us. And then when the mistakes happened in the garden, that's why he sent Jesus. Because he loves us. He just wants relationship with us. And, you know, after <clears throat> some time, I did meet people that brought me, you know, invited me to church. And I, I, I remember I went to a Carmen concert, and I wept and wept because there were all these people there that loved God. I thought I was the only one. I didn't know that other people loved God. And, um, and, I, and for the first four years I went to church, I cried every time I went because I couldn't believe God loved me. I was such a mess. I had no self-esteem. I felt so just... I used to say I'm a waste of perfectly good space. I was suicidal. I mean, it was bad. <clears throat> but then, um, you know, God, the more I received his love, the more I became valuable, not because of who I was, but because of who he was. And so when I did the painting, it was very profound um, because surely, I, you know, I made a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, and surely I was used. I let myself be used, you know. And now, really, truly, when I share, when I speak or um, preach or paint, truly people see Christ. It's just amazing. He's amazing. He is a redeemer. Yes, he absolutely is. And, you know, um, going through your, your different pictures, because I think your pictures are so beautiful. Um, I love the bubble one. I love because <laughs> no seriously because that that's how my prophetic gifting goes. I yeah. am such a bubble maker, <laughs> and so and so when I saw that, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so me. And and I think that's like this the beautiful part about like some of the, these pieces. And you know, it's so funny. There's you know everybody knows of this very very famous young girl, Akarina, I believe is her name, or Aki Akiana. Akiana. Uh -huh. I got to. I got to meet her. Actually. You did. So yes. You, okay, go ahead. I, I taught. I went to um, the first the conference I went to in Charleston. The next conference they had, I think maybe the next year, a couple of years later, they invited Akiana to speak. So I got to meet her, and I actually taught her how to do prophetic portraits. And she started doing them. I think she calls them soulscapes. And um, <clears throat> she ministered to me. I ministered to her. It was really, really sweet. And um, she she goes to heaven. I, I go to heaven. That's something else I probably should share about that was that God taught me to do. But um, she's such a beautiful, and I got a prophetic portrait for her. I've never painted it. I'd like to paint it and send it to her because I did get a vision for her. But she's really precious, and we need to pray for her because she truly is called of God. Oh, I agree with that. And, and you know, it's so funny because all of a sudden I saw her, and I was just like, I, and I didn't know that you you knew her, but but God did. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know Neat how that happens yeah and, and so but that and that's exactly what I was going to say is that you know she God would take her he would take her spirit and sometimes there was um Sean Bowles just recently talked about it how he went to go and sit with her as she was painting I guess she was young and he was young but he would watch her and she would like stop and she would listen and she would kind of be like over here and then she would start doing it and he was like what's going on and she's like oh the angels are telling me where to put it Aww. and I was like what come on now so you yeah know, and and this this is like okay so this is going to kind of rattle some people but I'm just going to have to say this that you know being a son and a daughter is gives us a birthright to go to heaven right just like people who are Jewish have a birthright to go to Israel for free oh come on now that's good so yeah <laughs> so so recently I was someplace I forget where I was but I started to prophesy and I started to prophesy um, that the Lord was actually going to give us like um, a pat, like almost like I saw it, like ID cards. They're like heaven ID cards that are going to grant us full access to the things of heaven. Wow! Because we are citizens. 
So, you know, so what's going to, what the Lord's kind of been talking to me about is that more and more people are going to come out of the woodwork who are going to start talking about that they've gone to heaven, that they go to heaven, that they have these, that they've been able to see things in heaven and be able to recreate them on canvas or through a book or even through a song. But it's because it's heavenly inspired. So how, how did you go about like having this heavenly encounter? Well, um, I was at that church, the, the church where I made the purpley gold swirl mistake, and there was a gentleman there from Africa, his name is Gaston, and he came up to me and he said, do you go to heaven to get your paintings? I said, um, no, and I thought, you know, maybe he had some bad doctrine. <laughs> I mean, I was just like, okay, yeah. <laughs> and he said, um, you know, you can do that. There, there is a, a throne room in heaven, and I was like, okay, and then... Um, he said, you can go to, he, told, he described all these different rooms in heaven. And so I was just listening, and he said, let's go there now. And I thought, you know, I'm a pretty easygoing person. I've, I thought I would appease him and just go ahead, go ahead and, and, let you know, let's, we'll do that. Well, we began to pray. He said, what do you see? And I told him what he saw, what I saw. He said, you're there. I said, I'm there? He said, yeah. I was like, well, that was easy because I've always been a seer. Yes. You know, I've always seen. Um, later, a bunch of us from the pastor that I was there with and some other people, we went to a house and we all went to heaven together and everyone saw different things. And when I would share what I saw, there was a gentleman there and he kept encouraging me that I was so there. And so it sort of sealed something in me that this was something real. So in my quiet time, I began to just ask the Lord if I could go to heaven. And I would see myself walking down a hall and I would just choose a door and open it. And when I would open the door, behind it would be a room. There was a room that I would go to all the time called, that I called like the art room. And when uh, I would get there, Jesus would always be there covered in paint, with paintbrushes, and there were easels. Sometimes there were other artists in there, sometimes not. It was just like a big art room. Um, And so I went to that room a lot, and the Lord would um, encouraged me when I was there. And one time I went, there was a young girl there that was blonde, and I felt like in my spirit it was Akiana. And the Lord said, will you show her around, speaking to her about me? And she said, yeah. So she took me, and we took off. She said, do you want to ride the horse? Uh, ride a horse here? They, um, they, uh, don't ha- they fly, but they don't have wings. And I was like, sure. And they brought this white horse to me, and when they did, I bowed. Um, and I got on the horse. She and I were flying the horse. And she kind of disappeared. The horse turned into a lion. I was a little girl, maybe 10 or so, on the lion. It was a lot like what you would think of Aslan. It was a huge lion. I was holding onto his mane. And by now, it was like nighttime, and there were stars everywhere. The lion began to bank to the right. And when he did, I looked to see what he was looking at. And I saw the earth, and it was just glowing. It was so alive. It was so beautiful. It was like... The colors, everything, it was like for the first time I realized we're a living thing, you know, that the earth is living. I looked back to see the lion's reaction, and all I could see was his eye, and the earth was reflecting in his eye. And I was just undone by it because, you know, the word says we are the apple of his eye. And it was like a literal thing for me to see. And then he began to speak to me heart to heart, spirit to spirit. His mouth didn't move. It was just him and he said she is not just my creation she's the love of my life and I long to be with her and he just kept saying it and a tear was coming out of his eye and I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and that ended the vision and I couldn't talk about it for months afterwards when I would talk about it I would get so broken because I felt his longing for us and that's what the painting is called the longing but that was my first painting that I did um from heaven and uh and I, I, I want to elaborate on that a little bit. I, it's my everybody likes that painting the best. It's so amazing, isn't it? It's like my first fruit, and everyone loves it the best. And I was going to be painting at a Heidi and Roland Baker conference, and I said to the Lord, I want Heidi to see this painting, Lord. I just want her to see it. I don't know why that was in my heart, but it was in my heart so strong for her to see it. I love Heidi Baker. Mm. She's like, she's. She's like, I dream about her, and people will mm-hmm. prophesy to me. They'll look at me and say, Heidi Baker, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> She's that much in my heart. And um, and I've gotten to paint at their conferences and sit at her feet. And um, so 
I went to lunch. I came back, and Heidi was laying in front of the painting. <laughs> and I was like, is that Heidi? Is that Heidi? And that was, I just, I lost it. And I, I grabbed a picture because I was like, that was for me. Thank you, Daddy God. You know, and then um, she got up and she began to talk about my painting. And then I was a wreck, you know. And um, she said, I was over there soaking in front of that painting of the lion. She said, and the Lord showed me something about him. And uh, and this was at the same church where the man had taught me how to go to heaven, the same place where I made the swirly mistake, the same church. Um, it's in um, Virginia, Williamsburg, Virginia. It used to be called the dwelling place. Or now it's the dwelling place. It used to be called Green Shields. Brian Britton is a pastor. Amazing, um, him and his wife. Anyway, they're just so free. They let me be me there, you know. And um, so she gets up and she said, and, and the Lord showed me something about that lion. He has keys in his mouth to unlock rooms to heaven. Oh, that's so good. Come on now. That was God. There is no yeah. way. Yeah. And so it was like an amen to me that you're not crazy, Chrissy. Yeah. <laughs> this is real. This is me. There's a purpose in it. And um, and to have somebody that I, I look up to so much in the spirit, um, for God to use her as the vessel to amen you know, what I'm doing was just a great honor and like a, a, a kiss from my, from Daddy God, mm. you know. Well, you know, it's funny, as you were describing that whole thing, I was seeing, I was seeing everything, like I could just visualize everything that you were saying, and I could see, you know, and when you started to talk about how he loves the earth, and that oh. he was... He was undone with the love. Yes. I just like, I start crying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did because I could feel his love for his kids. I could feel his love for everything, for everything he creates, he loves. And, you know, sometimes we, I think that sometimes we can kind of misunderstand the father's heart. Um, and we can say, well, he is, he is holy. He is holy. And so, you know, there is such a, a, a holiness about who he is, but there, but the love, the love is, is what yes. makes him so pure. Right. It's the love that makes him so pure. It makes him so holy because when you love completely unfiltered, there is no, there is no condemnation in you. There is, gosh, this is coming from Holy Spirit because seriously, this is like so strong, but there is no condemnation in you that there is no like, anger and and hatred and like get even there that's just not who that is not who you are you know but there but there's a um there's a part of god that is so like wanting to get his kids back that he will he's willing to do the cost he's willing to pay the cost and so at first it's like it was okay I'm going to try to um I'm going to just allow them to be to their own wiles and and so you know the the enemy had free reign <laughs> before Jesus came over his kids but then at, at the cross when that perfect love came it just was a redemption not just of of the sin but of the father that he could love purely and and passionately that it was also redemption for I hate to say this for God but that's what I'm feeling it was a redemption for God that he didn't have to be like that way does that make sense to you because like that's all, all of a sudden it just like I got this like revelation of what the cross really meant yeah that it, it redeemed his it, it redeemed his children but it redeemed the love right it you know, it's funny, this is coming to my mind. When I, I ended up, you know, having my son and raised him by myself, I raised him to love the Lord, and he could hear the voice of God when he was very little. And he would come to me and say, Mommy, I got one. I'd say, Oh, tell me. And he got this one one day, and it stuck with me. He said, It's like a bathtub. I said, Okay. He said, God is the cold water, Jesus is the hot water, and the Holy Spirit's the soap. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> and it's like all about getting in the tub. Mm. You know, it's all about getting in the tub. Yeah. You know, at first God was cold. Mm. Then Jesus came and he made it warm. Oh, that's so good. And then good. the Holy Spirit comes and scrubs us. Oh, that is so good. Come on now. Isn't that precious? That is so cute. But so, you know yeah. what? And it, it kind of like, it just kind of made sense. And I've never, ever thought that, that the cross actually redeemed the love. 
I never yeah. ever thought about. But if but but if you think about the verse in John three sixteen where it says, "For God so loved the world," come on. Yeah, it's the grace. I yeah. I spoke at a prison on Mother's Day, which was just so a God set up. I got to speak at a prison, then go speak at a church. It was my first time preaching a sermon. Um, and it had been burning in me already. I knew it was time. The Lord was telling me it was time. But I spoke on um, the prodigal son mm. and his big brother and how the prodigal son left with a third of all the father had. Well, Jesus was a third of all the father had. He was the grace. He let him take it. He let him go. He said, here. And he ran. Um, and then he, he became hungry, hungry for the pig's food the lowest, most disgusting animal, but he was hungry for their food because the food they were eating was carob pods. And carob pods, pods, they were ground to make a poor man's bread. They were substitutes, and they were a food of humility. And the prodigal son was hungering for that humility, and when he, when he hungered for it, he came to his senses, and he turned and ran back to the father. He had run from the father, he ran back to the father, and the father ran to him. And, and God said, I mean, the father said, you know, kill the fattened calf, put the ring on him, put the robe on him, you know, let's rejoice and celebrate. And then the big brother got offended, right? Because right. he represented the Pharisees because he didn't have, they didn't have Jesus. They didn't know who Jesus was. They were there with the Father. They were good sons, right? But they never partook of the grace. You know, and that was the message to the Pharisees, to the, to the Jewish people, that Jesus is the grace. Yes. He's the love message. And so they had two-thirds of the inheritance. That was the custom then, that the oldest son would get two-thirds. Whoever was under the oldest son would split up the, the rest of the one-third. But there was just one son, so he got all of it. But isn't that just so profound? Absolutely. And, you know, and if you think about the whole prodigal, I mean, because I love the prodigal, and especially being in a prison. Come on now. That's, yeah. that's just like you have never gone too far to not have your father come looking for you. Exactly. Because that's the thing about the prodigal. You know, we hear about the prodigal son, but the thing that the Lord really highlighted is that as soon as the son came to his senses and started coming home, the father was looking for him. That yeah. the father never gave up hope that one day he would see him. And see, that's the thing about, it's about our choices. That we always have a choice. Even if we run away from the father, it's okay. Because we always have a choice to come back home. And he will exactly. welcome us with open arms. And, yeah. I, and, and I, I just think that it's, and, and think about it. Like, he could have stripped him of everything. If he was a, if he wasn't a good father, he could have said, "You did this, you did that, you did this, so you don't get this." And yes, you're going to be a slave. But as soon as the son repented, as soon as the son said, "I, I am so sorry." The father said, "You're back. That's all I care right. about. You are back with me." And the Lord said to me something really really early on in my walk with him when I first like really kind of started to hear him. There was a time that he would say to me, Lisa, I want you to get up and come and spend time with me in the morning, like nine o'clock. That was like our date time. And there was this one day and I was like, oh, Lord, I'm so tired. Can I just meet you later? And I didn't hear anything. I heard nothing. And I, so I went back to sleep and I woke up like an hour later and, you know, now I have to like make breakfast because everybody was sleeping because usually we got up because of school and it was a Saturday and so we got to sleep in. So everybody was, you know, now getting up. So we all were getting up and I, I came into the kitchen to start cooking breakfast and it was like something let something into my house. Everybody was yelling and fighting. Everybody was screaming. Oh, no. There was so much chaos. There was so much nastiness and anger and something. And I immediately, immediately, I dropped to my knees and I begged and asked God, I said, I am so, so sorry for not keeping my date with you. And I heard the father say to me, he says, Lisa, if you walk away from me, I can't protect you. And I thought to myself, so, you know, when stuff kind of happens, it's not because the father's ever walked away from us, but it's because we've walked away from him. So true. I told the men in the prison that I said, you know, God, he told me very specifically, I had spoken there before Mother's Day and the Lord said, tell them I'm their father. I want to be their father and explain to them I am love 
It's not based on what they have done or what they're going to do. When they receive Jesus, I'm their father. And once you're a son, you're always a son. That's why the prodigal came back, and he was immediately restored. He was going to say, make me a slave, and the, the father didn't even let him say it. He immediately restored everything. And and I think, you know, I said to them, I said, well, you know, what separated the prodigal from the father? And it was the prodigal. What separated the big brother from the, receiving the father's love? The big brother. Like, we, we have the choice to be intimate with God or not. And I encouraged those prisoners. I said, you know, even though you're in these walls, you can go places with God. And you can become any age you want to be and crawl in his lap and be healed from the things that your father never gave you. He wants to be your father. He wants to love you in those places, you know. And the only thing that's going to keep you from getting what he has for you, because the other two-thirds is, you know, of the inheritance is the Father and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's the soap. <laughs> you know, and and so I was encouraging them get on your daddy's lap and let him scrub you. Mm. You know, and um, because so many people they get saved and they think it's all about knowing the Bible and it's all about works. You know, it's all it's not about intimacy and relationship and mm. uh, you know. But God wants He wants to get He wants to go there with you. Yeah. You know, He when when I first started seeing Jesus, um, I. I was so broken. I mean, I had come out of so much uh, dysfunction. And, uh, you know, before I was five, I was hospitalized like 20 times for really horrible, severely traumatic things. Like I had my stomach pumped. I had my two spinal taps. I had my head stitched up five times. I had um, appendicitis. I just had all these horrible traumatic things for a little girl to go through by herself because my parents couldn't be there, right? And... um so uh, the pain was so great that I, I tell people what people will do sometimes when they suffer something really horrible is it's like we're all born with a house and we can build a room on the house and we can shove everything that's painful in that room and shut the door and lock it. And what can happen is there can be a lot of junk in there and critters can come in there and live and we won't know why we act a certain way. But... When God, when God's time, if we will get before him, when we will crawl in his lap, when we will let him deal with our stuff, he will unlock that door. And that's what happened to me. Um, I had been through a lot of deliverance, and but God was taking me deeper. And um, he, 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 I began to be obsessed. It's funny how God will lead me. But he'll, I was obsessed over purple couches. It was the strangest thing. But I kept telling people, I want a purple couch. It was bizarre. So I'm, I saw this lady from my church, and I knew she did deep inner healing prayer. And I said, would you pray for me? And we had gone to church together at one time, and she said, sure. So I walked into her house. Guess what? She had a purple couch. And that's where I would be sitting um, when she ministered to me. And so as she began to minister, God unlocked the doors. And uh, when he unlocked the doors to that little girl that had been so really traumatized, I screamed and I shook violently. And all I could say was, in a little girl voice, I don't want to be brave. And um, it was in that time that Jesus himself would come to me is when I began to see him face to face. And he would speak directly to, uh, to that little girl. It was me, but it was separate from me. Um, it's called dissociative identity disorder or a dissociative ego state. And a lot of people in the body are walking around dissociated, and they don't even know it because God sends them to me. People call me from all over the world. I don't advertise. They just call. And a lot of times when they call, I know this is a, this is um, a ministry opportunity, and they don't even know why they're calling me. But that's how beautiful God is. He will lead it. He will do it. But um, but the the... I call them little girl parts or like rooms that have been locked. And and so what happened is I let God heal. Jesus ministered directly to me as a little girl, and he said, I'll be brave for you. And I was able to forgive my parents because it wasn't their fault. But, you know, when you're a little child, you just do the best you can, you know. And and so once the part be healed and then delivered, because once the healing comes and the room's cleaned out, the critters leave. And then what what would happen is the little part would leave with Jesus. And this little girl, she stood on his feet, put her head in his knees, and they left together. 
And um, so it turned out I had continued to do this. I had continued to dissociate over my life to deal with trauma, to deal with deep pain in order to be able to function. And, and it was so profound to go through the healing. It was so hard. It was like having brain surgery almost, the depth of where God was going with me. But it brought such healing to my soul. It brought like um, an ability to be solid that I'd never experienced. I could get places on time. Um, people who have like full-blown dissociative identity disorder, they become multiple personality. Um, they, you know, where they actually switch personalities and don't know what they're doing um, when the one personality is in control. It just depends on how severely the child was traumatized and how repetitive the trauma was. So I'm I'm grateful to God that I went through everything I went through because He made me into more than an overcomer, and I'm able to. I think the gift of being a seer is more about just painting. It's more about just giving people prophetic words. It's truly a gift of mercy to help people unlock their doors. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And you know, as we and I, I've had different people on my show who've kind of talked a little about a little bit about like inner healing and about like fragments. I've talked, we've talked about fragments, which it's, it's basically, you know, some of the things that we, we say in our like everyday language, oh my gosh, you broke my heart. My, my heart shattered (laughs) in a million pieces, you know, and we just think that those are just words to kind of express a feeling or something that we think happened, but it's, but there's an actual, that really happens that when right. somebody is so traumatized that they that pieces of their soul can actually break off and what happens is that there's that that hurt stays in that part that has broken off and so what i started to understand is like people who have like these traumas what happens is that when something hits that button there's an age that that trauma happened and that person is stuck in that age. And so what happens is that, you know, there are people who could be grown, like grown people, like adults, but there is a trauma that happened to them at like four or five years old. So when it happens to them again or something similar that triggers it, they actually become and act like a four-year-old. And so you say to yourself, what the heck is wrong with that person? Why are they acting like they're four? Well, that's where the trauma happened. That's exactly. where the hurt happened. But see, we don't know that. Right. And so we, we think that somebody's being, you know, super, my gosh, they're super dramatic or they're being a baby. Stop being a baby. You don't know. There's a hurt there. And right. so God wants to, you know, at, and I think that there are, there are people out there who they run across, like if you guys are listening and then you have run across people that all of a sudden they shift, they change into a different age group and they start, or they start to act differently. You can see something that it's just like, no, that's not them. That, I don't know who that is, but they're acting kind of weird. Well, that's because there probably was a trauma there. Right. And so, you know, one of the things that Jesus said is he said, I I came to set the captives free. See, that's what the body's supposed to do. We're supposed to be encountering people, sharing the love of Jesus. But just like you're doing, Chrissy, we're supposed to be giving them healing. We're supposed to help heal that pain, heal those hurts, heal those wounds so that we can pull their stuff back together. And I exactly. think, and I think that's what God is starting to do. I think, and what what's so fun is when you hear something that people are doing, like in the spiritual, like in the supernatural kind of realm. But then you hear, wait a second, this is a factual thing. This is what psychiatrists and psychiatrists do. <laughs> Psychologists exactly. and psychiatrists, like they understand this. Oh yeah, when when um when I first got pregnant with my son, um. I, I was suicidal. I'll just tell you. I was depressed and suicidal um, because I had just come out of a relationship that I was in for five years where the, the man was so abusive. He was so condemning. He was, I mean, it was horrible. It was very hard on me. And a friend said, I think you need counseling. <laughs> and I didn't want to go. But I finally agreed to it. And um, I ended up, this very, very precious woman um, ministered to me. She would she, would, she just blessed me, and she came, like, when I gave birth to my son, she came to the hospital. She became, like, a dear friend, and um, we kind of lost touch, but we, we reconnected on Facebook recently, 
And um, she was kind of new age. And when I, the more, stronger I got into the Lord, I, I told her, I said, I can't come to you anymore because I'm just going to try to get you saved the whole time. And uh, it was a joke between, she's like, as long as you pay me, it's fine. We would laugh about it. But um, so we lost touch and we reconnected on Facebook recently. And we were talking and I said, hey, you're not going to believe this, but I do what you used to do. And I, I would share with her and she'd say, well, that's crazy. We just use different terms, but we do the same thing. You know, I guess I would be called an empath. Mm-hmm. by a new ager or whatever. Yeah. And so, and, and what, this is how cool God is. He is, he just, he does this for me all the time. He, I know he does it for all of us, um, but he sets me up for these crazy blessings where you just know that it has to be God. So she's, this uh, friend was living up in the north now, and um, but we connected on Facebook. And then one day I was at an art event here locally, and I heard my name. I turned around, and it's her. And she's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, what are you doing here? And we got to talk, and we're just standing in the lobby. We haven't seen each other in years and years. And she knows I'm just on fire for the Lord, you know. And I said, well, how are you doing? She said, well, I'm depressed and suicidal. Oh, wow. And I said, well, I wish you'd let me pray for you, just like that, you know. And she said, well, go for it. And so right there in that lobby with people all around us, I wrapped my arms around her, and the Spirit of God came on me. And he went right through her, and she got completely delivered. I felt everything leave. Um, I wept. I wept and held her and prayed until it was done. And when we pulled apart, she started talking 100 miles an hour. (laughs) And I said, I think you're going to feel different. She said, I already do. And um, she said it just completely left. And she said, I'm like the Energizer Bunny now. I called her a couple days later. And now she has um, confessed Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Wow. And and she said, not only, I think this is the most beautiful thing. The God gave me a prophetic portrait for her. And I saw her, I said, I'm going to prophesy to you. And because um, we talk on the phone now all the time, and she's seeking God. She wants to hear God's voice. How precious is that? That's mm-hmm. what she wants. And um, so one day I was praying for her, and I saw this deer trapped in a, a trap, this leg. And I saw Jesus come and open the um, the trap. And the deer began to follow him. And as the deer followed him, it got smaller and smaller to where it was just a little baby deer, and it curled up in his lap. And um, and I said, you know, that's just so like you, because she's such an original, beautiful person. I said, you can't be a lamb. You've got to be a deer, you know. And she said, yeah, that's me. And I did a painting of it with um, the little deer curled up in um, Jesus' hands. I was doing a series on hands. But it's just amazing how God, he brings things full circle. You know, and I used to, she doesn't know this, and I'm probably going to cry saying this, but I used to cry out for her to be saved because she meant that much to me. And so, sorry, to be able to minister to her and to lead her to a confession of Jesus. I think she'd been saved that whole time, but she'd just been hurt. Mm. Like Like a lot of people, they get hurt by the church and they just don't go back and they try to find something else you know, mm-hmm. that fits. And um, so it was just like like a present from my daddy God for me to be able to know that I'm going to spend eternity with her in heaven, mm-hmm. you know, and get to get to minister to her after she gave so much to me at a time when I was so broken, you know. Well, you know, it, it's funny, you know, I believe that God, our, our prayers for our friends and the people that mean something to us, I believe that those are the prayers that God really cherishes the most because our heart, our heart cry is for our friend or, or for, you know, our family member. And, um, I was working in, um, I was working at a, in a cosmetic counter and there was this woman who worked with me who absolutely was like in every sense of the word an empath. She would, when she was young, she would go into rooms and she could actually pick up on people's feelings. And, <laughs> I do that. <laughs> and she, and it scared her so much that she started taking medicine to kind of Aww. shut that down. Um, so, so the Lord, you know, started to kind of have me tell her about like what was going on. So I started to share all my stuff because now when I first started working for this, co- for in, in cosmetics, you know, 
like I was just, it wasn't that long after I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And so all this stuff that was new and exciting to me, I would share with her because I felt like it was an okay place and a safe place that I could share this stuff with her. And so I would like tell her, but the fun part is that people would come to the counter and I would start ministering to them and she would protect me. So she would protect me as I was like ministering and praying with people at my counter and I never proselytize. So I, I, but I was, I was ministering healing and people got delivered and set free and there were prophetic words and people, miracle healings happened all at this cosmetic counter. So she really saw God move. She saw God move. So somebody called me and they, they said, Lisa, I got tickets to Joel Osteen. I happen to love Joel Osteen. So she goes, I got two tickets to Joel Osteen. My friend said she really wants you to have them. And I said, oh my gosh, she goes, do you want them? I said, absolutely. I'll take them. So I was sitting on the couch and I said, I said, daddy, I go, who should I take with me? Because I knew lots of people at the time. I said, who should I take with me? And I was thinking, I was thinking. And all of a sudden I said, daddy, who do you want me to take? And he showed me this woman. And I thought, well, that's weird because she's not a Christian. But <laughs> I said, okay. So, so I contacted her. And she, she actually got hurt at work and she, she was retiring. She decided to do an early retirement because she was older than me. And so I, I called her and she answered the phone. She goes, Lisa, she goes, I just put in my resignation letter to the company. And she goes, and I was feeling kind of melancholy. And she goes, and here you are calling me. And I said, well, I said, well, I was, you know, you kind of popped into my head. <laughs> and I said, and, um, and she's like, yeah, she goes, she goes, yeah, she goes, I got so much to tell you and I'm so excited to share this with you. And I go, what? And she goes, well, I've been listening to Joel Osteen. She goes, in fact, I love Joel Osteen. She goes, I listen Aww. to him all the time. She goes, Lisa, like you were right. Like he really is. He like, he really <laughs> loves God. And I just love listening to him and I feel so good and I'm so excited. And then I start cracking up and I said, well, Connie, I said, it's very funny that you should mention that you listen to Joel Osteen. And she says, why is that? And I said, well, I was actually calling you to ask you if you wanted to go and see Joel Osteen this week. She goes, what? I said, yeah. I said, I got two tickets to go and see him in Philadelphia. And I said, um, and I asked the Lord who I should bring. And he showed me you. She goes, but you didn't know I was listening to Joel Osteen. And I said, no. And uh, I'm sorry. I'm, no, I'm going to cry. <laughs> and I said, I said, do you want to go? And she said, absolutely. And when I got off the phone, I was cracking up and I said, Lord. And he goes, Lisa, you're going to watch her walk into salvation. Wow. So at the end of the service, when, when Joel Osteen gave the altar call, she stood up and I stood next to her as she became an official citizen of heaven. Mm, and I cried and I thought to myself, I'm like, Lord, you saved that experience for me to see. She could have done it any time, but he That's saved right. it. He saved it so that I could see it, so that I would always know that she is his daughter. Mm. I know, he's so good. <laughs> he is. Well, you know, he said, Jesus said, I have bread you know nothing about. Mm. And I think when you truly give yourself to the Lord, mm. he feeds you th with these things. Yeah. You know, with these, op these, it's food from heaven. It really is. And mm. it's, it's something you can't even, it's, it's so profound how he orchestrates things mm, yeah yeah it's just amazing and I, and you know um and and just like seeing like how god has been able to to take you full circle how, how he's been able to use your art to show you the validity of the things that you saw how he was able to to show you a vision of something that you painted to see come to pass, as your friend said, that she, you know, that you saw her as like this little deer and that, you know, so there, there's always something like sometimes we see something and we don't quite understand it at the time, but anything that we see that truly is from God, he will always confirm it. He will always show us. Yep. That's true. Yep. That's it. <laughs> 
know? <laughs> He's you a know? good father. He is a good father. And, you know, I just, I just think that like the things that you're doing, Chrissy, I think they're so extremely powerful. The prophetic words that you'll sometimes on Facebook, you're like, look, I'm driving if you want a prophetic word, you know. And of course, everybody in God's green grass comes out and says, I need a prophetic word. <laughs> And we all need encouragement. We do. We all need encouragement. But, you know, I, and I've been asking the father because, you know, I was, um, I was, I happened to do like a Facebook live with a couple other guys and we did a prophetic, you know, uh, word. And so we were getting prophetic words, but what I was able to do is <clears throat> because they were speaking. So while they were speaking, I was actually going back through the feed and I was able to see what people were pray for this, pray for this, pray for this. And I started to see themes and God started to show out themes. And so I was able to pray, not just for the person, but for the body we were able. So we were able to hit the people, but hit the body because it's, it's great to give prophetic words, but sometimes not everybody gets one. Right. Do you know what I mean? And so you're like, well, why didn't I get one? I never get picked. It's like, you know, ah, oh. oh, what'd you get, Charlie Brown? I got a rock. You know, <laughs> you know? and God know. doesn't give us rocks. No. He gives us jewels and he gives us bread. And, he, and but more importantly, he gives us living water. Yes. And so sometimes I think like, and I don't know if, if this goes for you too, but like for me, whenever I get a prophetic word, it's always confirmation of something that daddy's already told me. Yes. I, I don't usually get new revelation if it's a true prophetic word. Once in a while, it's something new. And it's like, huh, I'm going to have to pray on that one and see. And I, think, see. I think before, before I could hear the voice of God, it was all new. But now that I can hear the voice of God, it's more confirmation. Yes. Yes. And, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's the other thing too. You know, I think that the, the thing about prophecy is so important, but I think we also have to come into this place where we start to encourage people to start listening to the voice yourself, Amen. start listening to the father, go sit with him. The best thing to do, and somebody shared this with me, they said, journal with the father. And I said, yes. well, what does that mean? And they said, ask God a question and don't put your pen away. And as soon as you write the question, start writing whatever starts coming to your head. Just start writing it. And yes. then take that word and send it to somebody that you know hears from God and see if it was God. Because what it's going to start to do is it's going to start to tune you in to his voice, how he speaks. And I, I think that that's, that's the biggest thing, you know, that he can speak to us through, through words and he can speak to us through pictures. So sometimes he'll even use a picture. Like sometimes you won't actually get a word, but you'll actually see something that God will show you. Oh, yeah. When, when I go to be with him, I'll say, take me somewhere, Daddy. And we take off. And I, it's, it's always him. I don't always understand it when he's showing me, but it's always so profound when he reveals what it means. And he, he can do that. And, you know, when I first started writing Dear God instead of Dear Diary, um, you know, it was more one-sided me doing a lot of the writing. But then there came a time where I'd hear people say, I heard God say... I heard God say, and then I, I got a holy jealousy. I wanted to hear God speak. And I remember one day I just prayed in the Spirit as loud and as long as I could, and I stopped, and I just listened. And he said, my precious daughter. <laughs> and I wrote it, and then he said something else, and I wrote it. And then I would get pages and pages. And now I can be driving down the road, and I'm having a conversation with him like he's sitting beside me. Mm, yeah. And the flow, it's, I have cultivated a relationship with God to where it will not be taken from me. It's like, you know, God said about Mary, she chose the one thing that is needed, the thing that will not be taken from her. Mm. And, and we all have that same opportunity. You know, you think about like Joseph's brothers, how they were jealous of him because he got a word from the Lord. You know, he had that coat of many colors and Cain and Abel, the whole situation, we all have an opportunity to sit in Daddy's lap. And everybody has a purpose. Everybody. You know, I have a, one of my things, my pet peeves or whatever, is I don't like it when people copy other people because I think, oh, they're missing their opportunity to be their own, who God's called them to be. I, I've joked on my Facebook and said, you know, if, if David did what he did with Goliath with a slingshot nowadays, all the stores would sell out of slingshots. But it's not the slingshot. It was the relationship David had with the Father. 
that he could take out Goliath. And that's what people kind of miss the connection there. You know, God can use, if you're a good pie maker, he can use a pie to heal someone. You know, I've had people walk up to my paintings and get slain in the spirit just walking up to my painting Mm. because the woman was afraid to let a man touch her. So God used the painting to touch her. I mean, God will use whatever, but we have to have the intimacy, like we were talking about at the very beginning. We have to go into the bedchambers. We have to let him impregnate us. It has to be him and us. It's almost like Mary, when she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, Jesus came from that union. Everything that we do should come from that same place. And when it does, God can use it. That's beautiful. Well, Chrissy, thank you so much for sharing you. about your your testimony and your paintings. Oh my gosh, your paintings are so amazing. And if it, I just I just see like God is just just pack your bags. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. <laughs> just pack your bags because you're about to start doing some serious traveling. Wow. So. Yeah, well, it, praise God. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So, but thank you so much. And and if you guys want to connect with Chrissy, you can actually go to her website, and it's uh, Council, c o u n c i l dot com. You can see her gallery. You can hear about her testimony. I think that you can send emails there. Correct, Chrissy. Right. And they can find me on Facebook too. I'm on there. Yeah. So you can also connect with her on Facebook because remember when she drives, she does like to give prophetic words. So I'm I'm just saying that if you need a prophetic word from Chrissy, it's definitely worth, it's worth putting your name out there. You might just get a phone call. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much, and I and I and I just uh, I just bless you. I bless your hands, and I bless everything that you uh, to put to canvas. That it's going to continually to touch people and to strengthen their relationship with the Father. Amen. Thank you. And I see you with a megaphone. Just I just got that vision. God's going to inc- amplify your voice. Woo! I'll take that. I'll take that. (laughs) So thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening. I hope that this has blessed you. Remember, you can also check out, um, check out her portraits. Her portraits are amazing because um, really you have to see them and, and read some of the stories. It just truly is amazing. So thank you guys for listening. And just remember to go out and touch someone. Good night.